From the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. As always, it is a great joy for me to be here with you on these Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 4 p.m. And then, of course, the repeats, uh, 10 o'clock those nights, and all the other ways we come to you through all the marvels of technology. And we are coming to you also on our YouTube channel today, so you can watch the program if you feel like it. You know, I was doing this the other day, sitting at home with, you know, we have one of the, I guess every TV, most most TVs today anyway, these smart TVs, where you can pull up YouTube right on your uh, screen, your, your screen, your TV, and just watch. So you're, maybe you're sitting back and in your easy chair, just pull up YouTube, and we're on right now, youtube.com slash domestic church media, and also on our Facebook page, uh, coming to you, a video as well, and all the other forms that we use. So happy you are here on this January 26th. 2022, and the Holy Father has asked that we make this a day of prayer for peace in the Ukraine. The situation from, you know, the reports you hear on the news just seems to be escalating and getting more dangerous. So uh, let's use the powers that we have, the power of prayer. And we're going to pray a prayer for peace today as part of our prayer time uh, in just a moment. So we do that, and then we're going to go to... uh, the Holy Father, uh, of course, Wednesday, today being Wednesday, his uh, general audience. Uh, and he spoke today also about the day of uh, prayer for, for peace in the Ukraine. I'll share that with you. And his general audience today, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the, um, what the uh, content is. But to parents, he said, never condemn a child. So we'll see what the Holy Father said there. And then I would go... Later on in the program, back to St. Pope John Paul II's beautiful apostolic exhortation on the family, Familiaris Consortio. And today he teaches about family, become what you are. So we'll get to that as well. But first we're going to pray, my brothers and sisters, so wherever you are, uh, join me and all of our domestic church media family in prayer right now, hoping you're staying warm. It's a little chilly out there <laughs> today. And they're still talking about some kind of storm over the weekend. Well, it is January, right? And heading into February, so we can expect this. But I do hope that you, your hearts are warm and you are uh, at peace and uh, wherever you are. So let's take a few moments and pray together. And we're praying this beautiful prayer for family, uh, our family consecration prayer to the Holy Family. So we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. 
Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And uh, let's pray this. This is a prayer I found uh, by St. Pope John Paul II, uh, a prayer for peace. So again today, Holy Father Pope Francis has asked us to make this a day of prayer for peace in the Ukraine and throughout the world, but right now especially the, the Ukraine where we know it's a very volatile situation over there. And uh, so we'll pray this prayer for peace by St. Pope John Paul II. Lord Jesus Christ, who are called the Prince of Peace, who are yourself our peace and reconciliation, who so often said, Peace to you, please grant us peace. Make all men and women witnesses of truth, justice, and brotherly love. Banish from their hearts whatever might endanger peace. Enlighten our rulers, that they may guarantee and defend the great gift of peace. May all peoples on the earth become as brothers and sisters. May longed-for peace blossom forth and reign always over us all. Amen. And our prayers to St. Michael and Our Lady, Holy Father, I ask to pray uh, these prayers with the, the specific intention to protect the church from the attacks of the devil, and we add to that intention uh, to protect our homes, to protect our families, and to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise us in our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you for praying together, and uh, please be assured of my prayers for you. You know, I love, um, so blessed to be able to go right across the hall here into our beautiful little chapel of the Holy Family, where we have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in the tabernacle, and I can spend a lot of time with the Lord. And uh, I do thank Almighty God for the gift of you, our domestic church media family, for your generosity over these many years that have has allowed us to be here, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for all of your special intentions, whatever they may be, and we all do have them. Uh, you know, we all need some prayer, right, for many things. And so I do pray for you, and I thank you for, again, being a part of our family here, because that's what this apostolate is. It's based on family domestic church, and we consider all of you our family. So thank you, and, and be assured of my prayers for you. And if you have any special requests, please uh, do send them in. I'll tell you this, um, you know, our good friend uh, Bruce DeBacco and his lovely wife Linda, they have moved to upstate New York, but we're not letting them get away that easy. So uh, Bruce, uh, we, we, we provided him with some remote broadcast equipment 
So he will be starting up again with his uh, program, Come to the Throne, sometime in uh, late winter, early spring. We're kind of setting that as a date. Um, but I have uh, arranged so that when you go to our uh, website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and you go to the prayer section, you can fill out a request for prayer, that when you do that and submit it, uh, I've arranged it so that Bruce gets it directly. Uh, I used to get them and, and give them to uh, Bruce when he came for his program, but now we both get them, so I get them and Bruce gets them. So I can assure you uh, that when Bruce, he loves getting those prayer requests. So when you fill out the prayer request form on our website at domesticchurchmedia.org, uh, Bruce uh, gets the prayer request in his email, and uh, he and Linda uh, take it to prayer. So you're being prayed for right away, even without Bruce being on the air, although he will pray for you on the air as well. But um, if you have any urgent prayer requests, special requests, whatever they may be, uh, feel free always to go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and go to the prayer section and fill out the prayer form and submit it. And uh, Bruce gets it. I get it as well, and I'll pray for you here uh, but I know Bruce loves getting your prayer requests. That's a very special charism that he has, a prayer of intercessory prayer. Um, so do that uh, because uh, it's a, a direct line to someone who has that very special gift in charism of intercessory prayer. So uh, part of our apostolate, you know, we want to pray for you. Pray for us too, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, my goodness, the Lord has blessed us so much in this apostolate that you were so generous to us over Christmas and of course, in a couple of months, uh, the middle of April, beginning of April, we're going to have our annual spring radiothon. Our theme this year is "We Are One Body," and uh, just pray that uh, as we prepare for this, and we had a conference call yesterday with some of our volunteers to start getting ready for it, um, that people's hearts are open uh, to support this apostolate and to understand the importance of the apostolate. Uh, the great service that God allows us to provide. And again, all of this is through no merit of our own. Uh, it's because we are answering the call and we understand that we are just the instruments of the power of the Holy Spirit that works through this apostolate in so many ways. And it's just been a blessing to have been here for so many years now. And uh, we look forward to many, many more years, God willing, to be able to serve the church and to serve you in this capacity. So pray for us, because there's always resistance. <laughs> Cheryl and I were talking about this this morning over our morning coffee about some of the things that we've had to, to deal with over the years. Uh, the devil hates this work. He just hates it. He hates the fact you're listening and watching right now. He hates the fact that I'm sitting behind this microphone. He hates the fact that you donated to this and donate to the apostolate. Uh, you know, he just can't stand it because it is a great disruption to his work. It really is. But we were that, of course— as a badge of honor because we know that we are here to serve God and no one but God. And that's what you do when you support us and pray for us. So uh, keep that in prayer as well. It's, it's just such a, uh, an important thing right now in this world. You know, people are so confused about so many things and anxious about so many things and worried about so many things. And sadly, even fear, you know, people, there's a lot of fear in people's hearts these days. Here we have the threat of, 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 uh, uh, major, uh, major conflict uh, in this country over in, in Eastern Europe, U the Ukraine, uh, with Russia, and um, people are afraid. And 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 
you know, as the children of God, uh, we know that the Lord will, will always watch over us. No matter what happens in this world, uh, Jesus is with us, and he, he takes care of his own. And so just stay close to him. Stay close to him. And don't let the devil get in the way. And see, you know, there may be all kinds of things going on that will scare a lot of people, but we'll be a true peace if we're close to the Lord and nothing to fear. He told us that. And as the beautiful prayer that I shared with you from St. Pope John Paul II, you know, he often said, peace be with you. And we ask him now to give us that peace. And especially in the Ukraine, that, that uh, war is avoided. But God forbid, should something happen over there, that we are given the gift of the Lord's peace even in the midst of that. Uh, that we don't fear, we don't worry, we don't become anxious. That we trust in the Lord and that he will care for us. And he will lead us and guide us and, and take care of us. So, you know, that's, that's why we want to be here for you. We want to be a, a haven of hope, a beacon of light, as I say so often, a, a beacon of light, that beautiful image of the lighthouse guiding your soul into the safe harbor of, of the church, of the faith. Uh, that's why we're here. And so I thank you, because we can't do it without you. Uh, and, you know, when we come to you uh, April 6th, 7th, and 8th with our Spring Radiothon and ask you, to support us, I pray that you and so many others will be generous and uh, help us because that's the only way we can do this work. And it is great work, and I say that in all humility. It's, it's an honor to serve the Lord and to serve the church in this capacity as lay people. It's an important work. Um, and as I said, I, 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 you know, when I walk around this beautiful facility that we have been blessed with, especially in, in the right, almost, almost dead center of the building where I am right now, almost dead center, is our little chapel with the tabernacle and the Blessed Sacrament reserved there. Jesus is the center and the heart of this work. And we know that, and we understand that. And we are here to serve him uh, in this capacity. So thank you for all you do for us that allows us uh, to do that. And let me go to the Holy Father this morning. Um, <clears throat> before he began his actual teaching in his general audience, uh, the Holy Father made this earnest appeal to those who are in power. You know, it's, it's we're helpless, right? Right now, I mean, you wish you could like, call up a president or a leader of a country and say, hey, wait a minute, don't do this. You know, we want to live our lives. And, and, and forget all the politics and all the other stuff. Just be at peace. And this is what Holy Father said. He, he made this earnest appeal to those who are in power. He said, please, no more war. He said, I invite you to pray for peace in Ukraine and to do so often throughout this day. So hopefully we've all been doing that. Um, Pope Francis said, let us ask the Lord insistently that this land may see fraternity flourish and overcome wounds, fears, and divisions. And the Holy Father urged us not to forget the more than 5 million people who died in Ukraine excuse me, during World War II. He said, think that more than 5 million were annihilated during the time of the last big war. They are a suffering people. They have suffered hunger. They have suffered so much cruelty, and they deserve peace. May the prayers and invocations that are being raised to heaven today, Pope Francis said, touch the minds and hearts of those in positions of authority on earth so that dialogue may prevail and the good of all be put before the interests of one side. Please, he emphasized again, no 
more war. And um, he said, I make a heartfelt appeal uh, to all people of goodwill <clears throat> that they may raise prayers to God Almighty, that every political action and initiative may serve human brotherhood rather than partisan interests. To those who pursue their own interests to the detriment of others, disregard their human vocation as we were all created as brothers and sisters. Um, and you know, I was watching the news last night, and one of the newscasts, uh, I guess, had a, a, a crew, a camera crew in the Ukraine, and they were interviewing this young woman who's a shop owner in the Ukraine, just like we would walk her in into one of our uh, local strip malls into a shop, you know, a, a boutique or something. And here was this very lovely young uh, Ukrainian woman in her shop. And the interviewer asked her, you know, how do you feel about what's going on today and the threats? And she just looked into the camera. She says, I hope that they just stop. Let us live our lives. And, and, and that's true. You know, the, we the people and the people of, of these countries who have no power um, right now. And we, of course, in this country, the people should have all the power. <laughs> that's how the country was founded. We entrust that power to uh, people to represent us, not to lead us, but to represent us. Um, and sadly, we don't, you know, feel we have it. We feel helpless sometimes. But I think about the poor people in a country like Ukraine. Uh, where there's 100,000 Russian troops on the border, on just across their border, I mean, face-to-face with these soldiers. And the threat, could you imagine, like, living in, in here we are in this country, we're, we're, we're uh, um, to the north we have Canada, to the south we have Mexico. Could you imagine, like, at one of those borders, just seeing 100,000 tanks and armored cars and soldiers waiting to come in at someone's command? Um and here's this poor, lovely young woman. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in her, in her late 20s, early 30s, shop owner, just trying to earn a living, probably supporting her family, uh, and just looking at the camera with these, these eyes of, please, <laughs> leave us alone. Just let us live our lives. I hope we don't have war, she said. So, and, and you know, my brothers and sisters, we have the power, as I've been saying, and as you know, I don't have to tell you this, we have the power in our prayer, in our sacrifices, in our fasting. We have great power there. And so we go to the Lord in a special way today at the request of Holy Father Pope Francis and ask him, please, to give us peace and to grant peace and to, to, to guide and lead those hearts of the men and women who are in positions of power to make decisions for war or peace. I don't know if this is a true story. <clears throat> I know I'm going to go down to the Holy Father's general audience. But I, I did read one time, and I, th I thought this was interesting. I don't know a lot about Vladimir Putin, the, the uh, president or leader of Russia. But I this is, this is probably about five or six years ago that in uh, Europe and Eastern Europe uh, and, the, and, and Russia— there was a pilgrim, a pilgrim uh, a sash going, making the rounds, and they said this was a sash that Our Lady actually had tied around 
her waist. And this became obviously a very holy relic. And I don't know what the, I forget what it's called, but it was making the rounds in, in, in Europe and Eastern Europe. And I remember reading that when it went to Russia, that Vladimir Putin met the pilgrims and this holy relic and escorted it, it, it into the country because they said he had a devotion to the Blessed Mother. Now, the things you read about Vladimir Putin and 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 what he has done, allegedly or re, in, in reality, to his country, to his people, it didn't jibe. But I, I just thought that was interesting. And maybe there is a, an inkling of <laughs> of something in his heart that we can appeal to, with a, you know, to to just stop all this. But we'll put it in the Lord's hands and keep praying now. Holy Father also today, uh, in his general audience, urged parents never to condemn their children. Uh, the Holy Father encouraged parents to turn to St. Joseph for help, um, including those whose children are of different sexual orientations. Again, don't, don't take this the wrong way. He's talking about love. And he said, I'm thinking at this moment of so many people who are crushed by the weight of life and can no longer hope or pray. May St. Joseph help them to open themselves to dialogue with God in order to find light, strength, and peace. And he said, and I'm thinking, too, of parents in the face of their children's problems, children with many illnesses, children who are sick, even with, with permanent maladies. How much pain is there? parents who see different sexual orientations in their children, how to deal with this and accompany their children and not hide in an attitude of condemnation. Parents who see their children leaving because of an illness and also even sadder, we read about it every day in the newspapers, children who get into mischief and end up in a car accident. Parents who see their children not progressing in school and don't know how. Uh, so many parental problems. Let's think about this, how to help them. And to these parents, I say, don't be scared. Yes, there is pain, a lot, but think of the Lord. Think about how St. Joseph solved the problems and asked ask Joseph to help you. Never condemn a child. Um, and he dedicated to his audience today to uh, St. Joseph, a man who dreams, he said, in the ninth, uh, this is the, the ninth installment of his catechesis on St. Joseph. And he emphasized the saints' sensitivity to dreams, which he said were considered means by which God revealed himself. Joseph demonstrates that he knows how to cultivate the necessary silence and, above all, how to make the right decisions before the word uh, that the Lord addresses to him inwardly. And, you know, again, when the Holy Father's talking about that, I think kids today are, have so many more issues <laughs> than even my children did when they were growing up or we did when we were growing up, you know, and we certainly don't condone sin. And the Holy Father, you know, is, is not saying to disregard an individual's sinful behavior. That has to be addressed and we have to fraternally correct. But to condemn the person is not good. You know, we, we, we have to... We have to guide and lead with love. 
not anger and not condemnation. You know, we can we can make it very clear to anybody, whether it be our own children or people we know, if in whatever situation they may be involved in, that is a sinful and spiritually dangerous situation, to make them aware of that. But certainly to love the person and not condemn him or her. That's what he's teaching here. This will be taken up out of context in many ways. But that's what he's teaching. Just like our Lord did with the woman caught in the act of adultery. You know, he... Where are your accusers? Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He fraternally corrected her with love. Right? And so we have to use that as a great example for us. Uh, recounting the four dreams of St. Joseph, the Holy Father described in the Gospel of, uh, of Matthew, uh, the angel told the saint not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Holy Father said life often puts us in situations that we don't understand and that seem to have no solution. Praying in these moments, this means letting the Lord show us the right thing to do. In fact, very often it is prayer that gives us the intuition of the way out. And he said, The Lord never allows a problem to arise without also giving us the help we need to deal with it. Very important to understand that. The Lord never allows a problem to arise without also giving us the help we need to deal with it. In the second dream, Joseph grasped that uh, the infant Jesus was in danger and the Holy Family needed to flee to Egypt. In life, we all experience dangers that threaten our existence or the existence of those we love. The Holy Father said in these situations, praying means listening to the voice that can give us the same courage as Joseph to face difficulties without succumbing. And in the third dream in Matthew, Joseph, St. Joseph heard that it was safe to return home. And in the fourth, uh, that he should settle in Nazareth away uh, from the son of Herod. Fear is also part of life, and it needs, to, uh, needs our prayer too. Uh, God does not promise us that we will never have fear, but that with his help, it will not be the criterion for our decisions. Joseph experiences fear, but God also guides him through it. The power of prayer brings light into situations of darkness. So again, the key there is prayer. Right? The key is even in our fear. Now we have, it's a, it's a normal human emotion uh, to be afraid of things. It's, it's, it's a way to protect ourselves. Sometimes the fear, uh, though, you know, it, it, it sends us off into uh, wrong ways of, of dealing with situations. So the Holy Father is saying, pray about this. God doesn't promise that we'll never fear or have fear, but that with his help, with his help in prayer, it will not be the criterion for our decisions. In other words, fear is not the, the decision maker. But with God's help, we, we put the fear in perspective and make the, the right decision according to God's holy will. And Joseph certainly had to experience fear, when he had these dreams about what was happening or what, what was threatening his family, his, his foster son, his wife. But God guides him through this, Pope Francis said. The power of prayer brings light into situations of darkness. We find ourselves right now, my friends, don't we, in, in, in dark situations, especially in the world today. You know, we find ourselves... Uh, uh, um, 
with the threats of war and 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 uh, even the economy, you know, shelves that are bare and all these uh, things that are going. Through. I, I heard today that someone on the news was saying that Russia, um, you know, would have the power, the ability to do cyber attacks. You know, it doesn't take nuclear weapons anymore, but they could do cyber attacks that would attack our electric grid or our water systems, which would be an act of war. God forbid they should do something like that. But we have the power in prayer to not fear that. In prayer, we have the power to guide us in the correct way to uh, deal with these situations. Now, certainly in those large international uh, situations, we have little power. What happens, happens. You know, I think of the people like my parents who lived through the Second World War, um, where there wasn't there was communication, but certainly not like we have today. You, you know, when when a when a a son went off to war, the parents <laughs> didn't even know where he was or what was happening to him. Communication was slow, if any. I remember my dad telling me that you know when they when he got his assignment where they would he was commanded a a landing craft in the navy, uh, both in the Atlantic and the Pacific. But he they weren't allowed to tell their parents where they were. Where they were going, he used to say, "Loose lips sinks sink ships." That was the the motto, right? Loose lips sink ships. So it was, certainly there must have been some fear there. But through prayer, the Lord grants us these wonderful graces that allow us to uh, deal with it, to make the right decisions, to do the things we need to do, uh, and not let fear be the driving force. All right, I'll take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the Holy Father Saint Pope John Paul II's wonderful exhortation. Familiaris Consortio on the family. So stay where you are, my brothers and sisters. There certainly is more to come, and I will be right back. Six seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In the history of the world, only one tomb has ever had a rock roll before it and a soldier set to guard it to prevent a dead man from rising. And that was the tomb of Christ on the evening of the Friday called good. What spectacle could be more ridiculous than armed soldiers keeping their eyes on a corpse? But sentinels were set, lest the dead walk, the silent speak, and the pierced heart quicken to the throb of life. They said he was dead. They knew he was dead. They said he would never rise again, and yet they watched. They remembered that he called his body the temple, and that in three days after they had destroyed it, he would rebuild it. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN radio. One of the things that we often think about in our spiritual lives is how to do something big for God. But really, most of the time, we should focus on how we can do something small for God. It's these small things that help us consecrate our ordinary daily activities and help us do everything for Jesus Christ. Catholic Answers Live. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weeknights at 6. When you give in to thinking that's ripping you to shreds, that deflates your confidence, that caves into all your fear, you're not just thinking negatively. You're thinking in a way that's unholy. 
God wants his people to face everyday life not just redeemed from sin, but with redeemed attitudes, redeemed thinking, a redeemed sense of who they are. Stop beating yourself up between your ears all day. No wonder why you look tired all the time. St. Paul wrote, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You should think like someone who believes in a God who created you with purpose, who gives meaning to every experience, even suffering, who bestowed dignity and royalty upon you, and who destined you for eternal glory. And why should you think that way? Because it's all true. So when the way you think builds you up instead of ripping you down, that's not just positive thinking. That's godly and holy thinking. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romane Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Every single day, I get to help our listeners of the Sunrise Morning Show wake up, find out what's going on in the church and the world, and then walk with them as we all seek to grow in knowledge and love of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith. I mean, how could it get any better? The Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell and Matt Swain. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekday mornings at 7. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. It's like the, the brides, you know, 10 were very, very fervent, and they had oil in their lamp, and they had oil, extra oil. Well, here were 10 that didn't, they had oil in their lamps, but no extra oil. Here the bridegroom is coming, and those who had just the oil in their lamp all went out. They said, give me some of your oil. And they said, hey, we can't, lest we too ran out. Now, the first thought in your mind is, they're uncharitable. Why didn't they share, right? I know what you're thinking. I thought the same thing. But see, when we die, my friends, when the bridegroom calls you and me, there's no more time to get oil. You've had five years, 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. You've got to repent. You've got to go ahead of time and put oil in that lamp. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Well, welcome back, friends, on this lovely January 26th, 2022. I do pray you're having a blessed day. You know, it's nice when uh, I finish the program at 5 o'clock. It's still a little light out. You know, when you get into those dark days of December and the sun's setting at 4.30 or something, and nice. That means spring isn't far away, right? Spring isn't far away. Here we are already the end of January and another two months. 
Oh, we're putting up the uh, the patio furniture, and you know, Cheryl and I have a couple of rockers we put out on the front porch. We did, they're not out there now for the winter. We bring them inside for the winter. But we enjoy our our evenings after dinner to go out on the porch and watch the neighborhood go by. <laughs> we are, we're like the oldsters on in our neighborhood now. Sit out there and rock and wave to people, say howdy. <laughs> uh, so that's the beauty of living in this part of the country because you know there's always a change coming. There's always a seasonal change coming. But I know there are many of you who enjoy the winter, so enjoy it because it's cold out there, baby. It's, it's cold out there. And there's maybe even a chance for some snow this weekend. We'll see with Jim's forecast on Friday when he joins us on Friday Live, which, by the way, Friday Live, which is the day after tomorrow, uh, who are our guests? Let me see who our guests are this uh, this week. Check my guest list here. We're going to be joined by... Oh, Al Smith, there's a new book uh, called The Greatest Commandment of Fulton Sheen Anthology on Love. So we'll talk about that. And then also from EWTN, Bear Wozniak is going to join us. Uh, and his new book is called Deep Adventure, Bear Wozniak. Of course, we'll have music, talk. We'll play our game show, one of our game shows. Jim will be here with the weather all happening Friday on Friday Live at 4 o'clock. So join us then. Now, I want to go back to... The Holy Father's um, St. Paul, John Paul II's uh, beautiful apostolic exhortation from 1981, uh, the Consortio, on the family. And this is a section uh, that he titled, The Role of the Christian Family. The Role of the Christian Family. And in this first paragraph, he talks about, he says, family, become what you are. So this is what John Paul wrote. The family finds in the plan of God, the creator and redeemer, not only its identity, what it is, but also its mission, what it can and should do. So did you ever think as family you had a mission in this world, as family, as a family unit, and what, uh, what your identity, what our, what our identity is as family? Uh, John Paul says, the role that God calls the family to perform in history derives from what the family is. Its role represents the dynamic and existential development of what it is. Each family finds within itself a summons that cannot be ignored, and that specifies both its dignity and its responsibility. So family, John Paul wrote, become what you are. He said, accordingly, oops, accordingly, the family must go back to the beginning of God's creative act. If it is to attain self-knowledge and self-realization in accordance with the inner truth, not only of what it is, but also of what it does in history. And since in God's plan it has been established as an intimate community of life and love, the family has the mission to become more and more what it is. That is to say, a community of life and love in an effort that will find fulfillment, as will everything created and redeemed in the kingdom of God, uh, a community of life and love. Now, when I was growing up, and I come from a traditional Italian Catholic family, I have three sisters and a brother, and that was not unusual to have five children in one family. That, you know, most of my friends had four or five in their family. It wasn't unusual. I knew one family that lived 
uh, nearby that had eight children. That wasn't unusual necessarily. It was just, okay, it's a larger family, but, you know, I think if you had five kids today, people would look at you and say, well, you must be Catholic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we had growing up in the late 1950s and into the 60s, uh, you know, a television set, <laughs> one television set in the whole house, black and white at that. And if we wanted to watch something on television, we all had to watch it. <laughs> uh, and we were all there, right? We were all there as a community watching the television. And before that, I, I know families used to gather around the radio. But what happened since then? Where you have multiple televisions. Uh, now we have tablets and phones and all kinds of devices that you can individually go off on your own. And that can be dangerous, especially with younger children, younger children, because of all the, the threats of what may be coming through. I mean, parents today have such a an enormous responsibility to monitor uh, their children's media. What are they watching? What are they listening to? What are they? Where are they going? Who are they communicating with? But you want to keep that family unit as a, 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 a community of life and love where you do, you know, that's why in, in when I was growing up and we did too with our kids, I mean, we ate dinner time, we, we all ate together. It wasn't, you know, here's a plate for you. You can have one of you want. Here's a plate for you. No, no, dinner time, we're all coming. I can still hear, hear my father calling downstairs to my room, dinner. <laughs> so we knew it was time to come up and go to dinner. Because that community of life and love is our role, you know, and, and you, family, they, you, you, you do things together. Um, this mission to be become a community of life and love is not always easy, and these days especially can be very, very difficult. Uh, John Paul wrote, looking at it in such a way as to reach its very roots, we must say that the essence and role of the family are in the final analysis specified by love. Hence, the family has the mission to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And this is a living reflection of a real sh and a, a real sharing in God's love for humanity and the love of Christ, the Lord, for his church, his bride. Every particular task of the family is an ex expressive and co concrete actuation of that fundamental mi mission. We must therefore go deeper into the unique riches of the family's mission and probe its content, which are both manifold uh, and unified. Thus, with love as its point of departure and making constant reference to it, the recent synod, again, this exhortation is a result of a synod on the family in 1980, uh, the recent synod emphasized four general tasks of the family. So this is what the, the synod came up with as four general tasks for the family, for you and me. Forming a community of persons, serving life, participating in the development of society, sharing in the life and mission of the church. So as I read these tasks, four general tasks of the family, think about how the devil hates each one. 
forming a community of persons. Well, the devil wants division, not community, right? He wants to divide and conquer, fracture, split up, serving life. Well, the devil is of death. He hates life. He hates human life. He wants to destroy it. Participating in the development of society. Well, you know, we, 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 we watch the news these days at night. And Cheryl and I, again, we live over here in, in, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So we get the Philadelphia news. And it's a sad, sad, sad thing to watch every night. It, we, it, 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 the, the lead story every night, I'm not kidding, the lead story every night, with the exception of a few, but almost you could count on it, sadly count on it, the lead story is that there were multiple, not one, but multiple shootings in the city of Philadelphia each day. Multiple. And that's not building up the development of society. The breakdown of the family has caused situations to uh, exist to increase crime and, and violent crime. The devil loves that. And the fourth task of the family, sharing in the life and mission of the church. Well, that's the last thing the devil wants. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to give more press than, he, than, than the devil deserves. I said this yesterday. But, but think about we have to be realistic. There is a spiritual battle, a very severe and fierce spiritual battle taking place, and it is over the family. The devil wants to destroy the family for these very reasons that the synod said is their mission and the reason they exist. Forming a community of persons, serving life, participating in the development of society, sharing in the life and mission of the church. Well, when a family has that and becomes a community of life and love, as, as Holy Father St. Pope John Paul writes, as its main mission, it is an enormous threat to the work of the devil, to the work of Satan. When a family lives out its mission and becomes, as St. Pope John Paul says, becomes who, who we are as a community of life and love, and our tasks forming a community of persons, serving life, participating in the development of society, sharing in the life and the mission of the church, that is an enormous threat to Satan's work and his kingdom here on earth. He's the prince of this world. And so certainly he wants to go right at the basic cell of society that is the family. He wants to destroy it. Our church teaches us a family must become a domestic church a community of life and love. Satan sees that as probably the most dangerous threat to his kingdom that there can be, aside from the Lord himself. And, but in this world, we know the devil's done. We, he knows his end. He knows he's finished. I mean, that's why Jesus, he conquered sin and death on the cross. So that's over. But between now and the end of the world, between now and the end of our lives here on earth, there is a battle over souls, and it starts in the family. 
So the Holy Father then breaks down these tasks, these four tasks, the first one being forming a community of, uh, of persons. John Paul wrote, The family which is founded and given life by love is a community of persons, of husband and wife, of parents and children, relatives. Its first task is to live with fidelity the reality of communion in a constant effort to develop an authentic community of persons. The inner principle of that task, its permanent power, and its final goal is love. Without love, the family is not a community of persons, and in the same way, without love, the family cannot live, grow, and perfect itself as a community of persons. John Paul said, What I wrote in the encyclical Redemptor Ominis applies primarily and especially within the family as such. Man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself, and his, uh, his life is senseless if love is not revealed to him. If he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. Well, we know that, again, the attack on family, um, the attack to destroy family, the attack to divide family, begins when love isn't there. You know, you think about the sad situation of a, of a divorce. And especially sad if there are children involved. When a couple says to each other, I don't love you anymore. We're going to split. Or when a, a, a child grows up and, and, and decides to go out on his or her own, and is lured by the world and the things of the world and basically tells his or her parents, I don't love you anymore. I'm, I'm out of here. The absence of love. Man cannot live without it. And the family must become a community of life and love. John Paul wrote, The love between husband and wife, and in a derivatory and broader way, the love between members of the same family between parents and children, brothers and sisters, relatives, members of the household, is given life and sustenance by an unceasing inner dynamism leading the family to ever deeper and more intense communion, which is the foundation and soul of the community of marriage and the family. We just, you know, just a month ago we were celebrating Christmas and practically everybody was going somewhere or doing something that involved getting together with family. The people we grew up with, the people who are part of our family, the people who share our name, the people that, you know, as, as brothers and sisters and even cousins, there's that common bond that is, is, is really a, a bond and bounded by, by blood. <laughs> It's just a given, right? Well, we're family. You know? It's 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 a sad thing when when and I I experienced this because you know we were, you know and God bless we love all of our children, of course, and, and but you know our youngest son and his wife live a thousand miles away in Michigan. Our our daughter is in New York City, and 
our son and his wife and our three grandchildren are close by, about an hour away from us. But uh, you know, it's not like the old days where my my mom would tell us and my father too. My mom grew up in the Bronx in a three-story building, <laughs> and every floor had different members of her family on it. My father too grew up in a, in a house in. Uh, Hoboken and eventually Weehawken, where, I mean, relatives were right there, either next door, upstairs, downstairs. <laughs> they weren't far away. The family stayed close. Yeah, we're guilty of it, Sean and I. When I got, we got married and I, I, I was working for FedEx at the time and within, with, literally within two weeks of getting married, I was offered a, a, a promotion and a, and a very, very fine job opportunity uh, in Arizona. And, you know, I had to take it, I felt at that time. Just, you know, we had just gotten married. We're starting our life together, and it was a good opportunity for with a good company. And, and, and uh, I know my parents weren't happy. I know my mom was devastated because I was, I was her favorite. <laughs> I was her favorite. So I say. Um and then, of course, when we had our first baby out there, it was even more difficult. We obviously eventually came back. Now we're now we're as you know we're, we're, we're you know we we left after three years and came back east. But now as as uh, we're older, we have become the snowbirds that we used to have a chuckle over when we lived there. Go out there for a little winter break every year. But that's the way our society is today. You know, many of you, I'm sure, grew up in the same situation where you had relatives, family, I mean, next door, across the street, around the block, upstairs, downstairs, living in the house, in-law suites, whatever. You, there were, the family was close. And this is what this, this is, beautiful, this, uh, this community of life and love. That's what family is. And that's as we begin our, our, our teaching from John Paul or continue our teaching from John Paul, I'm not going to go on to the next section where the Holy Father talks about the indivisible unity of conjugal communion, um, but to just kind of reflect on that a little bit and reflect on your own family as I reflect on mine. You know, Cheryl and I were having this discussion this morning you know, about how we, we miss those opportunities because of logistics where everybody is and, and what everybody's doing and the, you know, the, the pandemic certainly does, isn't helping, um, but... You know, that's that's all I ever, ever ask for. Because, you know, if, I, if I'm asked by my children, you know, what, you know, or, or they ask Cheryl, what does dad want for, for Christmas? What does dad want for his birthday? I always say, I don't want anything material. I just want us all to maybe spend some time together. That's that's all I want is your time. Just as when they were growing up, you know, how important was it for us to give our children our time? That was the most precious gift we could give them uh, in those formative years. Yeah, they got stuff for Christmas and their birthdays, but but the most precious gift I feel that we could ever have given them and did give them because we spent a lot of time with them was our time. Uh, and I, I I cherish those those moments, those times, because it was, especially in those formative years, I'll never forget just after dinner, because uh, Cheryl was director of music at the parish, so she would have choir rehearsals at night sometimes and, and uh, have other things she had to attend to at night. Uh, and but after dinner, I worked all day. But I used to love getting on the floor with them, and uh, just playing, just getting a couple hours. We had all these little figures 
all kinds of stuff, Mario and Luigi and the Wizard of Oz characters and Sesame Street characters. We just make up little stories and little scenarios and just play. And I, oh, I would, I would go back to do that in, in, in the blink of an eye if I could. Because that was the, that was who we were as, as family. You know? uh, so it's a beautiful, beautiful exhortation. Now you can, you can read this yourself. I'll, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go back to pick it up next week or maybe tomorrow we'll do some more. Um, uh, but you can go to the Vatican website, www.vatican.va, and then go to the John Paul section and look up apostolic exhortations. It's a familiaris consortio. And I think, although written forty, a little over 40 years ago, very, very contemporary. And really, it's a, a great re-emphasis of who we are as family and the importance of family these days, especially, because with, without uh, family as we know, know it, um, the world is in a very, very, very dangerous place. So a familiaris consortium. We'll pick it up again. Well, let's try it again tomorrow. We'll see. But I got to go because my time is up, my friends. So I want to thank you for being a part of my day. And I pray you uh, stay warm, stay happy, and uh, have a great rest of your day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.